um, you know, the past two and a half weeks, I have been working out in Nevada. That's why I haven't been here. And uh, so my mom's taking on the lion's share along with Rosie and Buddy, taking and Denise, picking Nicholas up, keeping him motivated, moving in the right direction because it's, it's hard to travel now. And uh, anyway, Nevada is an interesting place, but I was specifically working in Las Vegas. So uh, uh, Buddy and I always talk about everywhere you go, there's a sermon. Well, I, I had trouble not finding things to <laughs> preach about. Uh, Vegas is a, it's a beautiful place. You can have fun. There's all sorts of things that go on there. And then there are things where you just need what I'll call mental floss. Even as you walk down the street, to just try to not see or unsee what you've seen. There's just some, there are some interesting characters out in Las Vegas. And one of my clients was one of the casinos. And we were filming a bunch of music artists. And uh, like uh, Florida Georgia Line and folks like that. And, and what was kind of lost on me because I'm not that big a fan. So uh, uh, they, I didn't know who they were. Everybody was all impressed and all excited. And oh my gosh, you should be. And I was more worried about where the camera's going to be and how are we going to see where we're going to be and where should things be placed. And, and I was getting text messages from people. Why aren't you excited? Don't, aren't you going to? And I'm standing back there and they're plugging their stuff in and I'm plugging my stuff in. And I really wasn't worried about them and they really weren't worried about me. It was all about how do I do what I need to do and while they were worried about doing what they need to do. And so that, that star moment, those moments where you go, oh my gosh, you know, wow, I should be really impressed and excited, were, were kind of lost on me because I was really focused on what I was there to accomplish. I, do you, can you relate to what I'm saying? Where, where you really want to get caught up in that moment, but I didn't have time for that. <laughs> I don't have to come home and watch TV to, to have a moment of that. But anyway, one thing I, I learned as I was traveling around and I was on the rooftops of lots of those places and, and uh, going places, one of the, the places we went, nobody had set foot on in 23 years and I was the first person to ever put a camera on it. So that was exciting for me and from a professional level to figure out how to do these things. And so uh, as you go down underneath a lot of these casinos, there are, are cities underneath the city. Thousands of people working in places that you've never seen. And so, you know, you, all those old movies start coming to mind where you're like going down these long hallways with weird corners and you're like, what the hell over there? Anyway, so, so um, you know, I, I don't know, ask no questions, plug in things, keep going. <laughs> but uh, they, they were, began to tell me things. They said, I said, man, every time I walk into this place, you feel invigorated. What is that? They said, oh, we're pumping in oxygen. We pump oxygen in here. And I said, what? And they said, yeah, when you come in, you get a fresh blow of oxygen. And then we change the, the fragrance. Can you smell the fragrance? And I'm like, yeah, it does smell like, you know, it smells weirdly tropical in a very untropical place. And, and, uh, and they said, well, well yeah, we, we do that on purpose. So when you come in, you feel invigorated, you feel comfortable, you want to stay. And they said, hey, look at the carpet. And I'm like, yeah, it's really busy. They said, yeah, but it's, it's like that on purpose. So you look up. And they said, look at the ceiling. And it's real dark. It's on that way on purpose. So you'll look straight because they want you to focus on what they have to offer. Not on the floor, not on the ceiling, not, not on, man, it smells like smoke. No, they want you to go, man, that's great. I feel invigorated. Look at that machine. I'm sitting down. That's where they, they, want, they want to get you into that, that frenzy. Anyway, all that to say, that was offset with this crazy stuff you'd see along the side of the road. You know, this is a tow truck for UFOs. So, <laughs> So you have to offset some of the things that you're seeing along the way because there are these, these vast extremes. But every day when I would go to work, I would see this. Now, do you guys see what, what, I, what I see or what I focus on? Now, uh, up at the top is the word believe on this little thing right here, okay? 
Notice the focus. Lie. I've never in my life looked at the word believe and saw the word lie. Have you? Made me think, have we believed a lie? And what are the lies that we believe on a daily basis that rob us from really understanding the power of the word believe? The whole focus of, of that whole show is just to deceive. But what we really believe has nothing to do with deception at all. It has to do with the truth and the reality that God loves us and cares for us. And no matter how you make it smell, look, feel, taste, decorate, the focus needs to be, regardless of all of those distractions, on the truth. But there are so many things that are trying its best to kind of convince us that what we're believing is, is just crazy and that the crazy is the truth. It all starts here, I think. The most basic need we all have is a sense of personal worth, value, and belonging. We long for security and significance, to be loved and accepted for who I am regardless of what I do, for somebody to really care. That's where it all starts. That's where we get looped in. You either believe the truth that God loves you no matter what, or you get sucked into the lies and say, oh, you can only be loved if. You're only valuable if. You only matter if. And we all have our own words that we put after the if. Now let's see if we can even read this because I was in, I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote that small, but nonetheless. <laughs> all right. Use sunglasses, I'll see you a little later. All right. Well, you're always helpful, but give me a minute. Uh, are are uh, any of these true? Any of these beliefs and that, that part you can't see, lie has been focused on, operating in your life. And when I say your, I mean yours and mine. If anybody, I learned, I, I did an interview with Billy Graham once and he said, pay attention to what comes from the pulpit. Not because of the person that's speaking it, but because of the heart behind it. There is nothing you'll ever hear anyone preach that they don't live. So let me just clear that up right now. So I don't ever come to any of you going, hey, I got this figured out. It's a process, but I'm willing to share the process and say, you know, this is hard. Okay, so how many of you have ever thought any of these things or battled in any of these areas? Hey, I'll be secure if I got the perfect job. Oh, if my job would change, man, I'd feel so much more secure. Uh, if I'm in a loving and unselfish relationship, wow, if I could just find that perfect person that would do everything that I need when I need it, man, life would be great. You know, hey, if I was never criticized, it'd be awesome. I work with some people that can criticize this, that, and the other. If I could just get away from them, man, wouldn't I feel better? I'll be significant if I exceed as an employee or an employer or as a student or a mom or a dad or a husband or a son. Hey, if I could just do better, man, I would be significant. Hey, if I had financial success, I'd be significant. People would pay attention because I got cash. When I receive recognition from others, man, I'd be significant. How about this one? When I have an opinion and people actually listen, man, I'd be significant. That second part is always hard. And you know, what about the I'm loved and appreciated? And what you can't read down there is what if I'm loved and appreciated because of I do the right things, I say the right things, I buy the right things, I'm always there when you need me. Man, then I'd be loved and appreciated. We all fall short in all of these places. 
but we all have something there that is our button. Our button for value, our button for success, our button for, hey, I would be more if. I want to liberate you today that, let me take the burden off. None of us absolutely make it in any of these areas. And they change on a daily basis. Depending on what's going on, which one bubbles to the surface is most important. And what about that one? We all have something that we fill that with. I'll be happy if. What is it? And when the blank is full, are you happy? Or did it, it's been my experience that once you fill the happy line, something else bubbles to the top as the, oh. You ever say, I'd be happy if my grass would grow? It rains for two weeks, all right? Your grass grew, you happy, all right? It changes. So now I feel like maybe we all need to crawl in there because I saw plenty of those, those signs when I was out there. Maybe we all need to, to get in that fallout shelter because once we realize that, oh my gosh, I have believed a bit of a lie. I believe the lie that I can earn my way. I believe the lie that, I can, that if I do something, it changes how God sees me. None of that's true. God created us with deep needs for personal security and significance and purpose. God is the only one who completely knows me, who completely knows you, and who completely loves me. As much as we love each other and care for one another, the only one who completely loves me is God. I never need to fear that he will learn something about me that will make him reject me and not love me any longer. That's a big one in the lie bucket. That you can do something that separates you from the love of God. God loves you, warts and all. And when you make a mistake, he loves you even more. Because he says, look, you made a mistake, but now you're having that moment of wisdom that says, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's why the forgiveness of sin is so important that when we pray every day, God, please forgive me for the sins I've committed. That's incorporated into my prayer every day because I have never made the assumption that I go a day in this life without sinning. I fall short every day. Some at varying degrees, some a lot, some a little, but every day like clockwork. And it's that grace in knowing that everlasting love that I'll never have to worry that somehow I became unacceptable to God. That's stuff that as new believers we have to get a grasp on, and as old believers we need to really capture in our hearts on a daily basis that God loves you. No matter what's happened in your life, no matter what's gone on, no matter what you've done, in a moment all of that is erased. Here I go again, small right, big glasses. All right, so the, the core belief of Christianity, I thought, well, maybe we need to go, we just need to remind ourselves of what those things are. In Corinthians, it says, Jesus died for our sins. Okay, we got that. That's the Easter moment. He was buried. Third day, he arose from the dead. So he was resurrected. That's our core. That's our value. That's the bottom line of what we believe. If you can say, hey, I believe Jesus died for me, that he was buried and rose from the dead, you're in. You're in. There's not a whole lot of criteria beyond that. Now we're getting into the next level of life, of, of life more abundantly. 
He offers salvation to all who receive him in faith. How do you receive him in faith? You believe those three things. Jesus lived, he died, he resurrected. And I've told you this before, go study all the other quote unquote gods that people serve. He's the only one that's resurrected, the only one with an empty tomb, the only one that borrowed a tomb because he knew ahead of time he didn't need it. Unique among all other faiths, Christianity is more about relationship than religious practice. When you believe that Jesus is your Lord and personal Savior, I've seen people in the, when I was working in the Philippines that would go out every morning with no food to feed their children and put a plate offering of food before a statue, hoping that God would bless them. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to do that. Instead of just adhering to a list of do's and don'ts, the goal of being a Christian is to cultivate a close walk with God. How do you cultivate a close walk? It means relationship. How do you have a relationship? You talk to him and you hush and listen. It's got to go both ways. Spend a minute yapping about what you need and then hush a minute and let God speak to you and then trust that that still small voice that tells you to do some things that maybe you don't feel like doing is really God directing your life. That relationship is made possible because of the work of Jesus Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That relationship is something you can cultivate when you say, Jesus, I need you. He says, okay. That's not begging. It's not pleading. It's not plates of food. It's not a peeled orange. It's not a smoking incense by a Buddha statue. It's asking, help me. And he doesn't play games where he goes, oh, yeah. He says, okay. He says, all right, I'll help you. I love you. I care for you. I'm willing. So belief is a choice. That first book of John talks about that when you choose Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, life changes. Brings things into focus. Helps you to understand he cares for you, the sacrifices that were made. All right, y'all have heard me say this before, and I, I repeat it every time I get a chance. The choice to believe in Jesus as your personal Savior is the decision of your heart, not your head. Amen. The lies come from the head down, in my opinion. You start thinking about it. What if? What if that isn't right? What if this is right? What if I should have done this? What if I should have done that? All of a sudden, it drops 12 inches, and then you begin to question and believe and doubt in your heart. In the Bible, heart is the term for the center of man's thinking and emotions and speech. It talks about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's where a man thinks, he understands, he, he creates his way, he meditates, he considers, he purposes, he takes control. Everything in our life starts in your heart. But if your heart hasn't accepted the fact that Jesus loves you and that you're forgiven and that you don't have to hold grudges and you don't have to be upset and you don't have to be angry and, and that peace and forgiveness are yours, it changes all of these things. You know, it's, it's kind of like uh, Nicholas was making oatmeal this morning and the first bowl of oatmeal I made, it was from the Keurig and it still had the coffee thing in it. So it went through the coffee old coffee one. You know how you leave them in there? It went, it went through the old coffee one and you're looking at the water going into oatmeal. Well, that has just transitioned that water into caffeinated oatmeal, which is probably nasty. Right? But that's, this is what I'm getting at with your heart. It, it's that filter for everything. That's why the, so many scriptures talk about renew a new right heart in me. Renew my mind. Renew my spirit. 
It's just talking about all those things that we take on that we have to push off so that we don't pollute the filter that we're able to receive, that we're able to process and, and, and push aside the things that want us to believe a lie that says, well, I would love to believe God's got my back, but. You don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. The first step, Jesus loves you. Can you handle that? A lot of people can't because they can't fathom somebody loving them just because. We've been trained and taught a lie that we must earn everything in this life. And the most important thing offered to us, we don't have to earn at all. All we have to do is receive. All we have to say is thank you. I believe. What? It changes everything. It removes that old carrying coffee filter and, and allows you to enjoy good oatmeal. Sorry, Nichols. But it doesn't leave you with, with just, hey, I believe, and now, well, you're on your own. No, God gives you other, other things and sources along the way. It says, look, there's hope when you believe, and, and you know that I love you. There's hope that comes. And original Hebrew of hope, is my, the definition is one of my favorites. It means confident expectation. Hope is not a rabbit's foot. Hope is not, oh, my lucky penny heads up, don't pick. Oh, no, it is confident expectation. The original Hebrew, when somebody said, I hope to see you tomorrow, it was the equivalent of, I will be there. So we've, we've polluted hope. We've, we believe the lie that hope means, maybe. Eh, I hope to get to it means probably not. But that's not what God meant. In the scripture, in the original Hebrew, hope was confident in expectation. It meant for certain, for sure, absolutely, count on me. But somehow in there, we believe the lie that it turned into the lucky rabbit's foot and wishes. And that's not what it is. Peace, original Hebrew, nothing missing, nothing broken, every bit whole. Jesus, as he would walk through the streets, some cheering, some sneering, He'd say, peace be unto you. He was saying, I wish for you that nothing in your life was missing, that nothing in your life would be broken, that you would be made every bit whole. What a powerful greeting. And what backs that up is he knew he meant it. He knew he could back it up. He knew it wasn't just some fluff and utter hallmark moment. He meant it. He meant, I, I know I can help you to have nothing in your life be missing, that all the wants somehow be quenched. I know that I can help all those things that are broken. Even the blind man when he was sitting in the crowd. You guys familiar with that story, right? He sat in that same spot year after year. He just happened to be in that spot as the crowd gathered around him. And the crowd wasn't nice to him because he was, he was kind of one of those lovely beggar types who's always there and oh, help me, help me, help me. People had begun to overlook him and pass him by. They ignored him. But they gathered around him because Jesus was walking by. So while they're all going, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, the very people who in, a, in less than a week would be standing at the foot of a cross going, yeah, get him. In the middle of all that hollering, Jesus, Jesus, was this guy that was blind, dirty, sitting in a pile in the same spot day after day, crying out, Jesus. And out of the middle of all of those people hollering, and all those people, hey man, see me, like a rock star. Jesus heard the blind man cry his name. And he stopped and he said, bring him to me. 
He knew he couldn't find his way. He made the very people who were like pushing him aside, get out of the way, lift him up and bring him to him. And from that moment, do you guys know what happened in that moment? Nothing missing, nothing broken, every bit whole, the man could see. And what did he do? What was his next step when he could see? It says he followed Jesus. He didn't turn back, he didn't look around, he didn't go, no, no, no. He took off right behind Jesus. He knew the source. He knew the source. His life had been radically changed, and everybody in that crowd who had murmured and fussed and said, shut up, gosh, get out of the way. Hush. I imagine them left silent because they all had all of these needs in their lives. And the one they'd overlook is the one Jesus chose. How many of us fit that today? And then, of course, there's that, that mustard seed moment. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You guys ever seen a mustard seed? You ever, you ever had one of those? See, I don't cook. Mama says, amen. <laughs> if you can microwave it, I've got it. <laughs> so I'll pass this around. Y'all are welcome to take one. This is about 10,000 mustard seeds. But the mustard seed is really teeny weeny little thing right there. Faith the size of a mustard seed. It's, it's one of, I'm serious. I'm going to pass this around. You guys feel free to take. You know that little red dot, you guys, we passed out? Somebody passed over me? I've been carrying that around in my pocket. And do you know, everywhere I went in Las Vegas, I'd do something that would fall out for some reason. <laughs> it was like a constant reminder of, remember this? <laughs> so I'm sorry I'm making so much noise. But anyway, you can't even see it. If that's all it takes to move a mountain, do you think that it, we've believed a lie? That somehow we have to do more, be more, pray more. All of it, somehow, somehow the, the, the mustard seed is hard to manage. I, I believe that when you pray and you say, Jesus, I need you, he hears you. And that when you, you ask him for him to help you, he will. But where we get hung up on the whole mustard seed thing is that we expect what we pray for to be what God's will is for us. And so many times, the things I've prayed for haven't necessarily happened or been solved in the way I prayed for them to. But thank goodness for that. Thank God for that. Because I didn't have the wisdom or the vision or the knowledge of all the other things that were going on. God did. So the very thing, you know, when you pray, God, please, you know, let the tunnel clear. i got to get to work. And for some reason, the gate comes down, and you can't get through, and you're flustered and frustrated, and you find out five cars in front of you was the accident. Well, thank you, Jesus. I did not make it through the tunnel. Sometimes we don't see the whole picture, but we have to trust. We, we want to tell God, hey, move the mountain, and here's where I'd like you to put it. Trust him that he knows more than you do. So how do we secure and maintain our belief? What we see, hear, and feel. How do we, and, and offset to all those things we see, feel, and hear. 
You know, we need to handle the little and not so little day-to-day -day setbacks in our lives with the knowledge of our own security and significance. It all starts with the way we think. We gotta train ourselves to be able to answer the question, what is true and what is not true? And more importantly, what is true about us? What does God think about you? What does God think about you? 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone away and the new has come. Do you know, we can celebrate newness every day. That scripture isn't something that happens and then you kind of, well, you build on that and then stuff happens. No, every day you can celebrate newness. The minute your feet hit the floor, thank you, Jesus, for this day. It is a new day. You are a new creation. What happened yesterday is gone. You have the today to do something different. John 3.16, we all <clears throat> have heard this one. For he so loved the world that he gave his only son that we can have everlasting life. The fact that God values you enough to include you in his plan should help validate to you that he loves and cares for you. That it's much bigger than just, just a moment. Second Corinthians, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. God has not labeled you by any mistake you've made. He's not labeled you by any problem you have. He's not labeled you by any challenge you're struggling to overcome. He cares for you and is willing to let all of that pass away on a daily basis. We need not to believe the lie that, hey, I've done something that I can never recover from because it is not the truth. Romans, therefore, there is no one, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, no condemnation. What does that mean? That means that when you make those mistakes and you have that moment and things just are twisting around and you're just so worried about everything, that condemnation is evaporated in a moment. God, forgive me. Where we get hung up is now you have to forgive you. Hebrews. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It wants to remind us that, look, as unholy as we feel, he's built the bridge already. When you feel like you're lacking, God's not. Philippians, be confident of this, that who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. You haven't arrived. <coughs> and it's okay. And you'll make mistakes every day. And things will happen. Reactions will happen. But who will be faithful? So now, how do we get away from that, that crushing fear and constant pressure of the wrong beliefs that we've maybe adapted into our own lives? How do we get away from that? When I say we, it's all of us we, because we deal with them every day. All right, so I saw this sign when I was out there, danger falling rocks, and I kept thinking, why is the person just standing under the rocks? I would be running. And they need to have signs that show what you should do. <clears throat> so you, you want to avoid those exaggerations. That's a lie that we believe. We say things like, I'll always make that mistake. I always do that. I'm never good at this. I never did that. We have these tendencies to put these huge words in front of things that say it's permanent, and they're not. We've got to change the way we think. 2 Corinthians reminds us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Well, if you always do something, then stop. And every day you get to start all over again, it stopped. It's hard to change patterns of thought and process. It's hard. 
It's not impossible, but, it's, but it is difficult. But God says, look, every day you're new. I'll help you. It's all right. That second thing, we got to nip those negative thoughts in the bud. Sometimes we, we, we need to stop putting on that, that negative thinking, and, and it's so easy to do it. The next time you start giving yourself that internal brow beating, you got to tell yourself to stop. You know, when I say negative thinking, I'm saying I can't, those, those thoughts that say I can't do that, we'll never do this, we'll never get out of debt, I'll never feel good again, I don't know if I'll ever be able to, to have time for any of this. All those things that we just think that are just not, hey, driving down the road and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'll never get that over with. I'll be so glad that I can't stand to do this. All those things that, that we keep telling ourselves over and over and over again. Proverbs, it says that, you know, if you give place to negative thoughts, it, you will become a negative person. So if, I, if all the only thing that's crossing your mind is something wrong with somebody else or something wrong with yourself, you're going to become what you're thinking. And then out of the abundance of that thinking, it's going to drop that 12 inches to your heart. And the next thing you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Nothing good's coming out the pie hole, folks. And we have to change that. And sometimes it gets changed at the last step. You don't let it out. And then you have to change it at the step before that where you're like, no. And then you have to change it at the step before that. Stop. But it's something you can control if you're interested in controlling it. But that's an easy place to go. Having not criticize, condemn, and complain are easy. All right, we got to accept our flaws. We all have them. Your kids, your coworkers, your family, your friends, the postman, the congressman, they've all got issues. All meaning all of us. If we claim to be without sin, we're deceiving ourselves. So if you think you're going to walk around, hey, man, you know, I've got it all together, that's, that's a lie you've believed because it's just not true. You meet people that say, I've got it all together, that's a lie, it's just not true. Because we have all fallen short. But if we can accept the fact that I've fallen short and you've probably fallen short, then we have a little more patience with one another, or a little more willing to maybe adapt and be a little flexible and help each other. Instead of assuming, you know, we all meet people that think they've got it all going on and, and they're arrogant about it. And it just, it gets on our last nerve. Because we can see the flaws that are there that they refuse to admit. Well, uh, isn't that kind of funny? We have them too. All right. <clears throat> we need to accept imperfection. Perfection's a high goal. It's actually impossible. It's a lie to assume that you can be perfect. Uh, make doing your best your goal. Avoid focusing on what wasn't done or should have been done or should have been done differently. Allow yourself to make mistakes and then forgive yourself. It's okay. Romans says, for all have sinned and fallen short. Does that mean we go out and plan to make mistakes? No, my point of this falling rock is when something happens that we didn't anticipate and something happens that, that sets us off in that thought process of, wow, I've made a horrible error, a mistake, uh, an unforgivable offense. We're, we're buying into the lie. There's nothing. Go, go to God and ask him, please help me. I'm sorry. And he'll forgive you. I know these seem really basic, but I think it's really important. Don't bully yourself. Don't beat yourself up constantly. I should have done better. I wish I'd done better. Man, there are things that, that I wish I'd thought of. Oh, I feel so stupid. Ephesians 
Be kind and compassionate to one another. That includes yourself. We gotta replace criticism with encouragement. Instead of just nagging and focusing on the negative and yourself and others, we gotta find a way to encourage one another. Let us consider one another to provoke to love and good works. In other words, hey, good job. Heck, how can I help you? Oh, that didn't work out. Let me see if there's something I can do to help you. Or, or just acknowledging, hey, well, it didn't quite work out the way we thought, but that's okay. We'll try, we'll try better next time. We'll do better next time. Instead of it being a condemning sentence of, I'll never do that again. I'm not going to try anymore. We do that with people a lot. We try to help people that don't want to be helped, or we try to give people something who don't want to receive something. And then we take the baggage on of, well, I'm never doing that again. Don't feel responsible for everything. Just as everything is not your fault, not everything's your responsibility. Job said, God performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. So if God's got the miracle working power and he can do all these things, then we need to take some of the responsibility for everything that we have in our lives off our own shoulders and give it to God. We can't come up and conjure the solution. Sometimes we think, hey, if I think hard enough, worry long enough, I'll come up with exactly what to do. And that's, that's part of the lie that we bought into because sometimes the answer comes when we put it down. When we say, okay, Jesus, here, take this. I can't do it. You're going to have to give me wisdom because I don't know. And in that season of not knowing isn't the time for you to do. It's the time to wait. And then God will tell you clearly in a way you uniquely understand, here is what you need to do. Instead of spinning your wheels and wasting your time. And it's kind of like trying to take off. I remember we had a trailer. We were trying to move and the chocks were still under the wheels. Anybody know how hard that is? <laughs> All it took was somebody with a moment of wisdom to say, hey, maybe that little wooden block is keeping 2,500 pounds from rolling down the driveway. But you need that moment of clarity. The, the, the pressure was on and the focus was on. <laughs> got to get it done and we got to move and we got to go. Hey, let's. And all of a sudden that one detail missed made it a whole lot more difficult. Treat yourself kindly. Do you criticize yourself? If God loves you, you need to love you. And I'm not talking the kind of self-love that's all arrogant and whatnot. I'm talking the self-love that says, you know, I made a mistake. Sorry, God. Help me be better. And then be willing to try again. But don't beat yourself up constantly. Man, if I'd have just known that, I'm so stupid. I would never have done that if I'd have known. That's come out of my mouth before. Would you use those terms with somebody really close to you? Would you use those with, some, with a dear friend? Would you talk to Jesus that way? And if he loves you so much, do you think it offends him when you don't treasure you? Because he certainly treasures you. I'm almost done. Don't worry. You need to give yourself a break. You don't need to be all things to all people. You don't need to please everyone. There's no scripture I looked. There is no scripture that says you must be all things to all people. You must do all things for all people. You must be the answer. There's not one scripture. If it ain't in the book, don't do it. We get caught up on this one. This is a lie we believe. You know, remind yourself when you're doing things well 
and don't wait to hear it from somebody else. If you're doing something right, say, you know, that worked out pretty good. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't burn up the hot dog. Woo, 30 seconds is enough. All right? You know, but, but the, you really have to find those moments. But, but if you wait, you do. Thanksgiving is the number one for this, folks. So I'm preparing you now. We got a month. You cook dinner. You get it going. You get your house nice. You invited people. Last minute, they don't show up or they do show up and don't bring what they're supposed to, or they stay too long. It's funny, my brother has a friend that, that at the end of a party, she'll say, okay, party over, go home now. Because she, she knows, she's realized people will never leave. She's created a nice, a nice environment, but, and when she's done, she's done. But she'll let you know, time to go. But look, you need to remind yourself when you're doing something right. Don't wait for other people to go, what a beautiful dinner. What a, what a wonderful thing. Did I just turn it off? What did I do? There you go. Uh, it's a beautiful dinner. Uh, thank you for having me. Oh, here's some flowers. Glad you. Don't expect, don't, don't have unrealistic expectations. And at the same time, don't wait for someone else to say, isn't this beautiful? Isn't this wonderful? The food was great. It was fantastic. Because more often than not, people will flip to the number one, which is, well, the potatoes could be cooked a little more. <laughs> and that's when you have to fight that thought process in your own mind, which is go home and cook your own potatoes. Right? <laughs> right? But you want, to, you want to make sure that you're not setting yourself up for your approval to come from anybody from God. Because if you're waiting for somebody else to tell you how wonderful you are, you may wait a long time. Not that you're not wonderful, but that people a lot of times don't like to say nice things. They like to say constructive things. Any of us ever heard a lot of constructive things? Constructive is a nice way to say mean in a caring way. All right? <laughs> All right, this is hard, but we got to learn how to choose the brighter sides of things. You can choose how to interpret comments and events and try not to, you know, try to spin them in a more positive way. When somebody looks at you and says, hey, you look good today, don't ask yourself in your mind what was wrong with what I wore yesterday. <laughs> All right. People that are married, you will understand this even better. When, when, you're, when your husband or something, or your wife specifically, I'll, I'll speak because I was married once, and they say, hey, I really love those shoes, or hey, your hair looks nice, you automatically are thinking, what are you trying to get me not to think about? Right? What is it? What's wrong? What's the matter? Really? Oh, I like your jacket. You start looking at your pants. I mean, it's just the way we are. We, we automatically go to the thing you're not talking to because we feel like maybe there's something you didn't say, which sets the guys up. I'm, I'm going to give you a bonus round here, folks. It sets them up to never want to really say anything nice because they know it's going to have the backhand of what in the world did I miss. Any of you guys ever feel that way, that if you say something nice and it comes right back around to get you? Hey, I love your earrings, and we go, and we say, oh, well, what's wrong with my hair? All right? We figure there's something, some reason they focus it instead of just accepting it. Accept a compliment graciously. Thank you. Thank you. It's not that hard. Thank you. Don't overthink it. Be blessed in a moment of by what they said and how they said it for that one thing they said. And instead of looking at it and going, well, oh, you didn't like, oh, hey, honey, your gravy's good. Oh, you didn't like the potatoes? No, no, no. Thank you. Stop yourself. Appreciate, be, appreciate the moment of somebody actually acknowledging something. Don't make it any deeper than it needs to be. 
All right, so I've told you about all these rocks. This is the heaviest rock in the world. You can't see very good, but, but we don't need to set up these, these pillars that, that where we say, oh, look at these rocks that I must overcome and all these battles that I have in my daily life. We've really got to put things in perspective. Back up a little bit. Back up from the things that are making you feel negative, the things that are making you believe a lie, the things that are keeping you. It says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So the life part is Jesus lived, he died, he rose from the dead. And if you can believe that, you have life eternal. But are we living to die? Are we living to die? Yeah, I want, I, I want eternity. I want to live in heaven. I want to go to heaven. But, but yes, I believe these things. But I want that other bonus round plan, the life more abundant. I want that while I'm here, there is something bigger and better that we can receive and, and, and believe and accept in our lives as his provision for us beyond eternity. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. The end. For it is with your heart that you believe that you are justified. And it's with your mouth that you confess that you're saved. If you want life more abundantly, you have to believe not the lies that tell you you earn it, but the truth that says it's paid for. Amen. And if you can believe that truth, then the life abundantly comes in spades. Because now, every day when something happens, you know the God of eternity who loves you, who has a plan for you beyond what you can see, can help you with today. Because if he can conquer death and sin, can't he handle the traffic in the tunnel, the doctor's office, the people at work, the finances? Can he handle those things? I believe that he can. But all it takes is the belief in the truth that he loved you enough to die on the cross for you and rise again to prove himself faithful. Let's pray. God, we are grateful that you love us so much. And honestly, God, we're sorry that some days we just don't get it. God, we ask that you would please be with us. You forgive us for the sins that we've committed and help us, God, to not believe the lies that want to separate us from you, but the truth that no matter what, you love us. So Lord, I pray for everyone in this room right now, Lord God, if they've never taken a moment to say, I believe that you lived, that you died, that you rose again. If there's anyone here today, God, who's not made that profession in their life, I pray right now they be liberated, be able to make that choice. And God, if they've made that choice, I pray, Father, right now that the vision be beyond eternity, but be the everyday life, God, that you want to help us live abundantly. Thank you, God, that eternity is our promise. But daily grace is your provision. So, Lord, we love you and we need you. And we acknowledge, God, that, yeah, we've, we've given in to the rabbit's foot approach to hope. But, God, today we have confident expectation that you care about everything that's on our hearts. And we want, Lord Jesus, you to work in our lives. Bring things, Father, into the place you would have them to be. And give us wisdom, God, just to receive the favor and love that you so graciously give.
In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen